Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome everyone. And let's see, we've got... We're talking about priests today who are undergoing persecution by their Catholic bishops, <clears throat> right? Yeah, let's even let's let's even modify that a little bit. Okay. I, I started thinking about that, and then I got into reading... Um, about this one priest, and I got completely sidetracked, and so the topic is no longer priests who are being persecuted, although that's that that's an underlying reality. Yeah. Um. But oh my gosh, reading some of these things, I could not. Uh, I was going to explode if I couldn't just talk about some of the stupidity of bishops. Yeah. And it's like. They are on another planet. Yeah. Uh, you're specifically talking about uh, in Costa Rica? Is that what you said? That's the big one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the whole conference of bishops down there. Um, but, you know, the, I, we've already covered, for example, Father uh, James Altman, whose faculties were suspended by the, the Bishop of, uh, what is it, La Crosse. Yeah, I, um, was there ever any update to that? Do you know? Uh, you know, I the only update that I am aware of is that he is continuing. He's not going to just um, kowtow. He's going to continue to use every um, appeal available to him within canon law to fight it. Yeah, but I guess um, nothing's changed. He's still. But I yeah, right. And, but and he had, but people have contributed tremendously to a fund to help uh, with his defense. So I guess he could probably hire some canon yeah. lawyers and that kind of stuff. He is a lawyer, to isn't make he? His case within the church is he? A, is I, he I think he's a, a, like a canon lawyer. I don't know about a canon lawyer, but I believe he's an actual lawyer. Uh, okay, so maybe maybe that I should shut up. I might be totally the, wrong here. <laughs> well, you know, but <laughs> but I we'll we'll find out by the end of the uh, end of the podcast whether uh, yeah Father James Altman is a lawyer or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was pretty maddening because it was like a week after that, this other this Monsignor in the same bishop's uh, territory. Well, he's forced to resign, is this but the, this is the one with the guy on Grinder, who, yeah, who was who was hanging out on 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 Grinder and and going to the gay clubs and stuff like that. And this is a guy with serious power, and yeah, uh, he was he held some position in the U.S. CCB, a, a position that was overseeing the proceedings related to how to handle the the sex abuse charges right i mean it was yeah like, it was some kind of real like <laughs> yeah, ironic insane. scandal like that yeah he was a an attorney who had a family practice it's like uh father oh, okay. altman was and then he became a priest yeah so cool. he's got the right. mind of a lawyer so, so that's all right good well, for good, him good let's but, let's let's hope he prevails um i obviously his bishop is i don't know you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna decide to to go with the word stupid rather than evil tonight. That'll be my, my charitable go-to. Uh, his bishop is obviously stupid. Well. Um. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to let you talk about it for a while, and then I'm going to give my take on this, because I I mean, I 
I did a quick Google search. When you mentioned this subject, I did a quick Google search, and uh, I thought, man, I'm not even getting into the details of this, and it's just irritating. But uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you my thoughts, because I, I don't oh, know everything okay. you're going to talk about. So No, it's, okay. it, mostly it's going to be Costa Rica. And, and it's, it's not like I have a ton of stuff. It's just like you know, reading through an article and seeing some of the things that these bishops are saying – it's like, wow, you actually said that out loud? Do you are, are you trying to make yourself look incompetent as a bishop? Yeah. Um, but before we get to Costa Rica, um, there's a bishop in Boise, I guess Boise, Idaho, uh, Bishop Peter Christensen, um, who's also a total idiot. Um, he banned... The Autorientum posture in the mass for his entire diocese. What did you now, say his name was? Autorientum. Uh, Peter Christensen, not Christensen, but Christensen. Okay. C H R I S T E N S E N. Okay. And he banned and he Autorientum. He banned Autorientum. And and okay, there's lots of people out there who perhaps have never seen it, never heard of it. Maybe don't know what it is. Maybe some of you listening to us. So let me describe it to you this way. Um, the entire mass, the entire point of the mass is something that's offered to the father. And the priest is preeminent among us in that he's acting in the person of Christ. The ministry of his uh, special priesthood is that he is an altar Christus, another Christ who is there for us, directly in front of us, kind of bringing us with him to offer himself, Christ on the cross, to the Father. So it's and not so even to Jesus, it's Father. to the Father, and if and Christ being there through the yeah. priest is to the Father, everything. To the offering, okay. to the Father. So, uh, for most of the church's history... Because of the reality of what the Mass is, everybody faced the same way, including the priest. Um, for some reason, after Vatican II, they developed this idea, they got this idea in their heads that the priest ought to face backwards. And so he turns backwards away from the direction of our offering to the Father and instead faces the people. So all the people are facing one way, but the priest, Christ, who's supposed to be leading us in offer to the Father, is facing backwards towards us. So the guy we're following it's kind of like, is in front it's kind of, of us. Like a, it, it's kind of like a general leading his troops into war by walking his horse backwards. Yeah. That's kind of like what it is when when you don't face ad orientum. So when you see things about, oh, the priest turns his back on the people, well, no, he's turning to lead the people in a sacrifice to the Father. Just like, you know, a general leading his troops into battle or it's whatever. It's really the only way that makes any sense whatsoever. I can't yeah. think of a single reason so, why the priest would look at the people for yeah, a mass. <laughs> or the people would, you know, be Want encouraged to, see to look the, at the priest. Yeah, like, I mean, you know. <laughs> we're not praying like, to know, the to priest. See, I mean, obviously they look at the priest, but they should see the priest as Christ, not as Father Bob or whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this bishop, uh, you know, has has just taken the step uh, to ban 
all, and I think it must be just that he's maybe, I don't know, emboldened by the recent motu proprio or something like that. And he decided to ban all masses in the ad orientum posture. Now, it is true that the, the general instruction on the Roman Missal, the, the modern, the current GIRM, yeah. sadly and stupidly uh, expresses a preference for mass to be celebrated in this way. But we've already covered how all, how the mass, as we the Novus Ordo, uh, for example, is not the mass called for by Vatican II. Right. Nonetheless... I would point out here um, that we, we, we've done so far two podcasts talking about the changes called for by Vatican II and uh, going through them line by line, and, and it's something we'll, we'll do again. We're going to continue until we get through the whole document. But, yeah, through the um, whole document, right. You can go back and listen so, to those to see what the document says, and you'll be like, well, no, then I, I guess we're not doing what the document says because we don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now, um, like I said, the GIRM expresses a preference. Um, it uses weird words like, you know, uh, it says that the altar should be out away from the wall so that the priest can face the people while celebrating Mass, which is to be desired whenever possible or something like that. It, yeah. You know, very weird language. And, but, you know, that we, it's not, it's not, uh, I, I know people want to seize on weird language like that and say, oh, that's just an outgrowth of Vatican II. Even in history, the church has sometimes used strange language. Thing, like like you and I talked about on this podcast before the, um, uh, was it Pius the, um, during the, the Protestant revolt, Pius the ninth, Or was it... Say this again? Even back, Pius the fifth. Was it Pius the fifth during the Protestant revolt? Like, like pronounced a like issued some bull pronouncing excommunication. Oh, that was who cooperated with uh, with the England. Yeah, we talked about that too, and yeah. I think it I was mean, we talked. And, I think it was the fifth. Our heads over that. Okay. What, yeah. Yeah. Pius the fifth. Number five. What, what could this mean? Okay, so it's not like vague or strange language is new in the church, and I don't want anybody to hear us say that that. You know, this is just since Vatican II, but this one particular aspect of the general instruction is kind of weird. Uh, it does say that there's a preference for the priest to uh, pace, face backwards towards the priest. However, here's the here's the gold quote from this bishop, and this is what marks him as just you know he's got to be living on another planet. I don't know if he goes back to uh, his his. Uh, you know, wherever bishops live and spends the night smoking weed or what. Yeah. His quote is this. There are priests who prefer ad orientum. I am convinced that they mean well and find it a devout way to pray. <laughs> that's huh. that's stupid. You think so. Itself, but that's not the, that's not the, that's not the, the gold. The overwhelming experience worldwide after Vatican II is that the priest faces the people for mass Okay, here's here's the big one. And this has contributed to the sanctification of the people. What? How we are... are at an all-time high of people who don't even know the basics of the Mass, who don't even participate in Mass because they don't even know what they're supposed to be participating in. All-time high uh... of people who don't even believe the basic tenets of the Holy Eucharist. I can't and this even... bishop thinks... That facing backwards towards the people 
has somehow contributed to their sanctification. I don't even understand what... What could he possibly how, how could be he talking think, about? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe... I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It, yeah, exactly. This it, This is like bunkers. Like, maybe he thinks that since people uh, are less racist now than they were a hundred years ago, that it's because the priests started facing the people, and that led to the lack of racism, which is which really the what happened, and that's why everybody's going to heaven now, because uh, there are less racists. Yeah, um, I, that's the only, I mean... Because they live I, on what, racism. I mean, what they... What could he possibly mean? I, I, and you know what? The bottom... I mean, the fact... The, the truth is... I won't call it a fact. I'll call it a truth. People are probably more racist today. Yeah, I think they are. are out there they definitely are. That, uh, you know, black people, Latinos, uh, you know, they, they, they're not smart enough. They're not good enough. We got to help them out. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's racism. Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, so. I I know I I pull that out of the air because it's like the go-to for every single bishop. But I think you're that right. and immigration, yeah, and exactly. it's like immigration, right? That's what holiness is: is not being racist and welcoming and wanting open borders everyone into your country, uh, despite the fact that they lock their doors. We're we're not allowed to go in their houses, but uh, and despite whatever. the fact that it allows sex trafficking to go on unchecked yeah and but well i mean let's face it they make money off of this we know this at this point the bishops if you don't know then you should look into this the bishops make money per head of illegal immigrants uh in the guise of uh what do they call them um not evacue but i can't can't think of the word. Oh, when refugees. Refugees. Yeah, in the, the guise refu- of refugees. The, 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 catch and, and, the catch and release refugees. Yeah, yeah. so the bishops make X number of dollars ministries to per help them, and so they, they refugee. And that's where they're getting most of their money now, and that's why they don't give a damn whether or not people Is are able really to get no, to I mass. It's like a third. I don't know. I mean, it's an enormous it's amount. It's a huge amount. The, the USCCB budget. But it, I thought it was like a third. Yeah, I, I it, may have been exaggerating on that. But it's why they don't care whether or not we get to go to Mass. It's why they said, go ahead yeah, and shut the true. doors. We don't need your money anymore. I'm going to... Yeah. And it's why they don't care whether or not they tick off the uh, traditional movement, yeah, when, when which you, is growing. You say, I mean, you say, oh, you know what? Instead of giving my money to the church in an envelope on Sunday, I'm going to just contribute directly to this fund or this, right. You know, charity that's doing good Catholic work or something like that. Um, they don't so, care anymore. So anyway, so th- yeah, this is Boise, Idaho. Th- so we've got two bishops here, right here in the United States that are, uh, just, you know, bonkers, yeah. idiots, whatever. Okay, so now here's what kind of got me on onto this rant in the first place, which is these bishops in uh, Costa Rica. So the the background of this is all right. Everybody knows the motu proprio, no more traditional mass. That's 
Now, first, before we get into the story, I want to say that there is a current problem of precision in language and thought and discussion when it comes to the form of the mass. And you'll see this if, if you just, you know, Google some some certain key terms, you'll see that everywhere you look, it's almost impossible to find a news article or a blog post or anything that does not equate Latin mass with traditional mass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Because today, yeah, certainly most masses are, you know, said in the vernacular. Now, to me, it's even weirder. Uh, and people may not realize that the, the vernacular is, is the uh, the local language. Yeah, oh, when yeah. we vernacular say that means the local language. Yeah. Okay. So if you're English speaking, your vernacular is English and, and so on and so if you're in Mexico or Spain, your vernacular is Spanish. Yeah. Um, but the, the Novus Ordo Mass is a Latin Mass. And only by specific approval can alternate vernacular texts be used. But the Latin is the uh, base language for the Mass. It is what the Mass uh, it is was promulgated in. So, um, and... For me, growing up, when I was a you know a teenager, even a young teenager, I well, I won't say young teenager because uh, I had to be old enough to drive. So an older teenager, young adult, I went routinely to a Latin mass that was a Novus Ordo Latin mass. Uh, many you know most Sundays I would go to the Latin mass, and then many of those Sundays I would also go to a traditional mass. Um, so to me, it's like doubly weird. It's doubly difficult to sort of countenance this this lack of precision when it comes to describing the mass. And everywhere in the world, Latin mass equates to traditional mass. So, okay, just putting that out there. Yeah. So now we've got this motu proprio. And what the motu proprio does is it says, okay... Here are some new restrictions that we're going to place on the celebration of the traditional Mass. It doesn't make reference to the language that the Mass is set in. It's talking about the text that's used for the Mass and when that was promulgated. The 1962 texts of um, John the 23rd, or is it 1960, somewhere around there, versus the more recent Paul the Sixth Mass which happened after Vatican II. Yeah. So this priest in Costa Rica who had, he had been a, you know, one to celebrate the traditional mass. Uh, There are people in Costa Rica who want that mass. And he um, was one of those who, who supplied that for them. After this motu proprio, Instead of celebrating the traditional Mass, he said, okay, I've got to celebrate the Novus Ordo. I'll celebrate the Novus Ordo. And he did. But he celebrated it in Latin. Yeah. Now, Which is what get, the, it's written in. That's, that's how it's offered to us that's in what Latin. That's written in. Yeah. And in fact, uh, before we get too much further on that, There's two things that I want to read to you. One is, uh, and I'm going straight to the Vatican uh, website for this. One is the Code of Canon Law, and uh, Canon 
concerning the celebration of the Mass, and I'm going to read uh, Canon 928. You know, I would also... Which says... Okay. Mm-hmm. I would point out here that there are one, two, three, four local recognized languages in Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. It's okay. not all right. Spanish. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are... The official language is Spanish... There are four different languages in that region that many people speak. So there's not like right. one language there. It's yeah, yeah. It's not like by by choosing just Spanish, you're necessarily going to be unifying everybody or something like that. Right. Okay. Canon nine twenty eight says the Eucharistic celebration is to be carried out in the Latin language, or in another language, provided that the liturgical texts have been legitimately approved. Okay, so the Latin language is always approved, other languages as legitimately approved. Now, to be perfectly uh, fair, this does not, strictly speaking, take away a bishop's right to tell a priest, hey, you have to say the Mass in this particular approved language. We have the texts, it's been approved, here you have to use this. But... Uh, there's another um, thing that I want to uh, read to you. And it's the document Redemptionis Sacramentum. And I'm going to go again to the Vatican's website for that. Whoa. Now, this is a... So, after the new mass came out, there were a lot of, you know, abuses that grew up. The clown masses, the liturgical dancing... Various stupid yeah. things going on with the mass, and so um, the Pope, I think it was John uh, John Paul II, came out with Redemptionis Sacramentum, um, certain matters to be observed or avoided regarding the Most Holy Eucharist. So this is sort of a okay, guys, look, you're you're carrying things too far. We got to reestablish some ground rules here. Um, and make some things clear that for whatever reason you're not getting by just reading the rubrics of the mass. So okay, um, so and that's what this, this document is. Okay, that's what this document is. All right, now I'm gonna I got a page through. Um, okay, mass is to be celebrated either in Latin or in another language, provided that liturgical texts are used or which have been approved according to the normal law. Here's the thing, except. In the case of celebrations of the Mass that are scheduled by the ecclesiastical authorities to take place in the language of the people, which I'm not sure what exactly that means, priests are always and everywhere permitted to celebrate Mass in Latin. Huh. So. What do you know? Priests are always and everywhere permitted to celebrate Mass in Latin. Um, so. If, for example, the bishop wants to have a special mass and schedules that special mass and says, we're going to do this in the language of the people. Okay, then he and then he taps some priest and says, hey, I want you to cover this mass for me. Well, then he has to do it the way the bishop says. But outside of a circumstance like that, priests are always and everywhere permitted to celebrate mass in Latin. Always, not just at certain times, not just you know, on the off hours, not just during the week, always and everywhere, not just in their own private chambers, not just, you know, in, in the, the small chapels, 
everywhere. Yeah. Always and everywhere permitted to celebrate Mass in Latin. Okay, so that's what this priest in Costa Rica, Father Sixto Eduardo Varela Santa Maria, did. He celebrated the Novus Ordo Mass in Latin as the Code of Canon Law specifies and as uh, Redemptionis Sacramentum indicates he is always and everywhere permitted to do. For this act, he was suspended for disobedience to his bishop's directive forbidding the use of the traditional mass. Okay, this like even takes the cake over some American bishop's stupidities. He didn't even disobey, and he's suspended for disobedience. Yeah, well... He obeyed the directive, and he's being suspended for disobedience. Did he have a response to this? His response, and and here's the thing. I don't want anybody to to feel like uh, Father... um, You know, he's... (laughs) He's got four names: Sixto, Eduardo, yeah. Varela, Santa Maria. They make I don't a lot know of names would down be there. Pro- yeah. like, is it Father Varela? Is it Father Santa Maria? I don't know, um, but I don't want anybody to get the idea that that he is, you know, somehow um, failing here. Okay, uh, he because, for example, he has called out the local authorities for their bad behaviors. Um, and you know, stuff like that. He, he not, you know, we're all called to be somewhat of a firebrand when it comes to, you know, interacting with the pagan world and so on and so forth. When it comes to our own bishops, not every priest is called to be a firebrand. Father James Altman is being called to be that. Uh, Father, uh, Varela is, um, not, he, he, what he has said is that he's going to, accept the discipline of his bishop and submit obediently. And he's not wrong in doing that. Uh, because the reality is this, that a bishop, that the, the rule of obedience does not derive from the bishop not being a complete idiot. It does not derive from the bishop not being evil. It doesn't derive from the bishop, uh, you know, having any clue what he's talking about or anything like that. It only derives from the bishop's office as the bishop. And so father has decided to simply accept that discipline. Actually, he gets to go back and be with his parents and spend time with them. He has to go to some kind of weird spiritual psychological counseling thing, which is, is stupid. And I'm sure he's rolling his eyes every day at that. Yeah. Um, but he's decided to simply accept it. He knows that there are canonical um, appeals that he could make, and he's decided not to make them. He's just going to go ahead and accept this uh, discipline. But just the very fact of this, it's like, are the bishops in Costa Rica so poorly educated that they don't even understand their own directives and commands? They don't even know what they're saying when they give an order? Where do these bishops come from? Do they come from Costa Rica? I think they're generally. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're I mean are they grew up natives? in Costa Rica, became priests. Now they're bishops. Yeah, I think they're Costa Rican natives. How did this priest, who, you know, come to be educated enough to where he could even say it in Latin? And well, that's a good point. And well, yeah, where where he? Why know, aren't more the educated men bishops instead of this 
this doofus. I, I mean, I, have you read some of the quotes from the bishops? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, you want to pull your hair out. It's, uh, it's got, <laughs> for example, uh, we never had a group of faithful who adhere and continue to adhere with much love and affection to the previous liturgical forms. Okay, they says that. Well, then why do they have to ban it? Are there priests? Yeah. I, there's nobody. Is never, there a crowd go, a going? We don't want this Latin. I mean, we, I, I, I think, yeah, it's it's like he completely misunderstands. I, and and you know I, I could either conclude that he's purposely misunderstanding uh, that line in Sumorum Pontificum, or uh, I could just conclude that he's a complete total uh, idiot. Idiot. Yeah. Well, um, here's the thing. Let's go to uh, England again um, when okay. uh, Saint Thomas More was being uh, beheaded. Um, I mean, his charge. I think it was. Uh, can't think of the word now. Um, his charge was treason. I think it was treason. If not, then a lot of the people who were killed um, during King Henry's uh, persecution was under the guise of treason. They were Catholic, therefore mm-hmm. they were treasonous, um, especially priests or people who had any kind of influence uh, like St. Thomas More. Um, that's, that's the word they used to describe why they were killing them. But they weren't, they weren't stupid. They knew that it wasn't treasonous to, uh, love the Catholic Church. And this mm-hmm. is, this is before Pius V and his excommunication. This is before Elizabeth. The charge was usually treason. And they're only, there there was no treason. We know that. They knew it. For some reason, they felt like instead of just saying, we're going to kill you because um, you're Catholic and we don't like Catholics or we don't like the church, instead of saying, we're going to persecute you for this reason, we're going to make up these weird things. And and they're doing it now. The, you know, they're, they're going after people for being uh, conservative. And or traditional, and they've they're using all these words to they're they're saying things like we're racist, and they know we're not racist. We know that we're not racist. Everybody knows we're not racist. We just disagree with them, and they're but yeah. they're saying things like, well, because you're racist, that's why we're going after you. Really, what it is is because we're evil and you're not evil, we're going to go after you. That's why we have to, yeah. And I'm tired of saying anything else. You can call it treason. You can call it racist. You can call it disobedience to the Pope when it really doesn't matter why. Um, it doesn't matter what words you use to describe this priest's crime. What his crime is is that he's holy and the bishop is not. That's, what, that's, no, no, that's what's that's happening true. here. And I'm tired of... I'm looking at these quotes from these bishops. It's it's outrageous. Yeah. It is clear that the liturgy reformed by Vatican II Council, which it wasn't, and we keep going over that, has all the conditions to elevate the human being and strengthen his spiritual life. Really? 
Are people more spiritual now since Vatican II when they don't even know why the hell they're in mass? I No, yeah, exactly. Like I said, it makes you want to pull your hair out, but I'm but then I get caught up and it's like, okay, do do they know that they're evil? Well, I mean, I, I I because I I I end up trying I mean, to figure I keep tools of the devil, not like unwitting Yeah, maybe they don't know ministers of Satan or something. And I cuz I I look at evil people and I I I don't know why I I I keep wondering, is there a way to make them not evil? Is there a way to make them see what they're doing and why it's wrong? And um I don't know. I, I've spent a lot of time looking at this, and and I guess just more recently I started thinking it doesn't matter. Maybe they're ignorant, and so maybe they're not gonna suffer suffer eternal damnation. But they're doing demonic work here. They're doing evil. Yeah. So what does it matter whether or not they're stupid or they really just hate? the mass and hate Jesus Christ and hate the more proper way to say mass. I don't know, but it doesn't matter because what these bishops, what Bishop Callahan did what this uh, other guy, Bishop Christensen does. It's evil. That's all. It doesn't matter why it doesn't matter if he's stupid. It's still evil. And I'm okay. I'm sorry that, that you want to keep Pope splaining and Bishop splaining, all these things away to give people the benefit of the doubt, but the benefit of the doubt isn't helping you, it's not helping the bishops, and it's not helping the rest of the laity. You can call yourself nice for not saying, hey, this is evil, but it that doesn't help anyone. Why don't I know people would say, well, what you're doing isn't helping anyone. I don't know. Not, not a lot of people have tried it. The vast majority of uh, popular Catholic media would never say what I'm saying. Has that helped anyone? Has the church gotten better or worse over the past 50 years? Yeah. I don't well, know. I, <laughs> you know. The thing is, is I, I mean, I'm reading this article. This article is in Catholic World Report, and it's a, um, I would call it mainstream Catholic news yeah. letter. I mean, it's published by Ignatius Press. I yeah. mean, it's not like, you know, super right-wing, like Church Militant. Right. Uh, or, uh, you know, super liturgically conservative, like the Remnant, or something like that. Right. But, it, I mean, it, it's including these these quotes from these Costa Rican bishops. Um, it says, they also accused the, the those faithful, the ones who want the traditional Mass... Uh, okay, those faithful who sought the traditional liturgy of not always expressing their view regarding the validity and legitimacy of liturgical reform or of the dictates of Vatican II and the magisterium of the pontiffs. Really? So, They're what, not always expressing uh, yeah. their views? So what, are they going to guess at regarding them? Regarding these? So, so it's like if you don't constantly give some kind of obeisance, oh yeah, the new mass is, is valid, Vatican II is good, the new mass is valid. If you're not constantly saying those words... You're somehow suspect. Yeah, but what happened to that's that? The accusation that you don't always say those words. What happened this to is the, so stupid? The fact that they never had a group of faithful who like the Latin, the the old <laughs> Apparently, right. Apparently, except 
that that group of faithful that they don't actually have anyway is, yeah. is not always expressing their view. <laughs> they have this deep underground view that they don't like Vatican II, but maybe it's not Vatican II. Maybe it's just you guys. Do you ever no, think of that? that? <laughs> maybe it's the way you're uh, doing things and then blaming Vatican II as if Vatican II is what made you do all these evil things, but it's not because I don't see that evil in Vatican II. And we're going through, again, this uh, sacrosanctum concilium line by line, and I don't see any of this crap in that document. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> we're going to get to something that, that really jars against that in a minute, but... Okay. Follow on kind of along the same quote. They claimed that they, the faithful who seek the traditional liturgy, yeah. did not meet the requirement of having to know Latin so they could participate in the Mass. This is a requirement that doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah, when did... These, these bishops in Co- Costa Rica are claiming that there's a requirement for the faithful who want to participate in the Latin Mass... To, in the traditional mass, to know Latin first. Huh. I guess I'm not participating in the Latin mass then because I, I don't know a word of Latin. <laughs> I have trouble pronouncing He's, the words that, mean, that we talk about most of the time. Uh, where do they come up with this stuff? There are. It's like, you know, they're like Democrats in America. They're so childish yeah. and stupid about their understanding of things. Yeah, it's... Okay. Okay. Then, here's 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 the really big one. Uh, oh. The bishops went further than this, adding that the Reformed liturgy, here's the quote, must be protected from any element that originates in the ancient forms. Wow. That's a direct quote. Wow. Costa Rican bishops... This is a complete break with the liturg. They they are specifically uh, calling for and expressing their intention of a complete break with the liturgical history and patrimony of the Catholic Church, which we on this podcast have read in the Vatican II document itself was never supposed to happen. In fact, it was supposed to be very much protected from breaking from the traditions that tradition that have the been traditions handed down to us for two thousand years. Preserved, it was not even supposed to be a replacement of the ancient mass. Yeah, that was it very was specifically to be only a revision of those elements that may have accreted culturally that may not necessarily be as meaningful in our culture see that's and why that's I, I, I don't i don't buy the the ignorance argument i'm sorry this well, what do you do I mean, is it possible to be that ignorant no it's not that's that's the thing because like, if you have a okay maybe at one time it was like when they're becoming a priest for you know many years ago but at some point, you know that, oh, wait a minute, this this right that we're talking about isn't actually what Vatican II wanted. I mean, you got to study some of those uh, documents. But at, at some point, you understand, I think, what you're doing. 
I, I, and you make a choice. I don't see how you could not. You, you, we all make I mean, choices. You know, these, and does the entire collective of the Costa Rican bishops like just decide we're not going to actually read any of the stuff we're talking about, and we're just going to say these things? No. No, there's got to be at least one bishop who who has actually read these documents. Now and he it, knows, and he's letting this happen. Now it could be that all of this was written up by a group of laity, and just handed to the bishop, and he signed it, or, or the several bishops. I don't know Excuse if me. this was one bishop or oh. if he's speaking on behalf of all the Costa. It, yeah, it keeps, Episcopal so Conference of Costa this Rica. Keeps saying they, it's it's the like bishops the of the of bishops in Costa yeah. Rica. Yeah, so. So I got to think that, that they know what's going on. They know what they're signing. Yeah, maybe some lay people help draw it up, but but at least one of these you know bishops has to be reading this stuff, and at least one of the bishops in this group has to have actually like taken the doggone 10 minutes to read an actual Vatican II document or an actual you know letter from one of the recent popes, like Sumorum Pontificum or... Yeah. Um, the um, Redemptionis Sacramentum, or something like that. Right. It's um, and, and so like it's like yeah, I, you know, I, I keep wanting to say, wow, bishops are really stupid. No, but you know, you're right. How how can you keep saying that over and over and over again yeah, to, to no. such and it, it becomes to where the absurdity is even to allow that they're just being absurdly stupid. Right, and at some point you got to conclude. Yeah, there's there, there's just something evil going on here. Even if there's, even if it's a willful ignorance, it's let's say it is ignorance. There's a point they, where you you have to start saying, but it's not innocent ignorance. It's willful yeah. ignorance. They purposely and choose to evil. ignore the, the facts that are right there in front of them. Um, it, it's disheartening because. Um, all of the laity and the priests, um, look, we expect all kinds of evil from the world. And we expect to be, uh, and Jesus told us, expect to be ridiculed. Um, the world hated me, it's going to hate you. So we go into this and we, we do find some solace in Jesus' words when he says... Uh, blessed are the, uh, those who are persecuted for their beliefs. I, that's not the right wording. I can't remember. But, uh, we get a little bit of comfort from that. But yeah. we expect the church to accept us because the church isn't the world. And so these priests who have clung on to the, uh, traditions of the church and the thousands and thousands and growing laity who have rediscovered the beauty of these traditions. We expect our haven to be in the church. Even if we're just put to death by the rest of the world, we expect the haven to be there for us, especially among these bishops. But now we're, it's, it's not. It just isn't. Yeah. It's like and the it's, shepherds themselves are purposely leading the flock into barren lands and, instead of green pastures and stuff. It's like, hey, you know, that that area over there, that'll be much better for you. 
Oh, okay, well, you know, this is all rocky and sandy, and there's no grass growing here, and I don't see water for miles. And there's there's okay. wolves right over the, the other side of that hill <laughs> and there's there. There's lions and wolves and cougars and whatever. <laughs> it's... What do you do? Okay, at what point do you say, okay, the bishops, you know, we're we're not going to pretend anymore that that they are somehow uh, hallucinating grass and water in these pastures they're leading us into? That's the problem we run into because in if this were a government, we could revolt. If this were just culture, we could just say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ignore you. But this is a church, and it's set up a certain way, and we have no power whatsoever to change it. They do yeah, have we the authority. Still have to obey. These that's, bishops that's, are no. suspending good priests, and they have the power to do it. And we can't take that power from them. They don't get it from us. They get it from God. So we're left with, well, what do you? Do? We can't. We're not going to get anywhere well, by leaving do. the church. I mean, no. We can't. We can't become Here, Protestants. Here's, here's what we can do. I mean, we can we can help, you know, make noise. You know, we, we're allowed to make noise. We're allowed yeah. to state what we, you know, what we see. We see evil, we state evil. We see stupidity, we state stupidity, and so on and so forth. We're yeah. allowed to do that. we got to be charitable. We're not allowed to disobey. But the other thing we're allowed to do is pray. So, you know, what we, we can, can keep do doing is, that. As Everybody we say at the can. end of each podcast, circle the beads. Yeah, circle the beads. And, you know, say a daily rosary, but also, you know, every, every day and every night, maybe say two extra Hail Marys when you wake up before you go to bed. One Hail Mary in Thanksgiving for all the good bishops. There are some. And then one Hail Mary uh, in reparation for all the bad bishops. Yeah. And when you personally have to suffer under a bad bishop, um, offer that up. Make that part of that, you know, make your Hail Mary part of that offering it up too. Hey, you know, I'm going to, this is part of my, my daily offering. This is part of my daily suffering. I offer it up specifically for this bishop, this bad bishop who I have to suffer under. You know what? There's another thing you can do. Um, and... We, I'm going to go back to England because I, when we did that podcast about, I don't even know which one was that when we talked about, uh, we kind of went more in depth into the, uh, church of England. Um, Oh, right, right. What was that even about? Hold on. I'm going to look that up. I think we were comparing our current situation to the Church of England. Yeah, and, and the I... bishops in England kind of sold the church out in many cases where the local country priests maybe Okay, um, I, I think it was Catholics coping with the fact that the church has left us and then uh, yeah. finding a home when we're not welcome. So this is about the bishops yeah. turning against us. Uh, yeah, because it was right after, uh, Bishop Casey, <laughs> Bishop Casey, <laughs> Bishop Callahan, uh, suspended Callahan, <laughs> Sus- Bishop Callahan suspended Bishop Father Callahan Altman, suspended James Altman. <laughs> we know a guy named Casey Callahan, so I call him Bishop Casey. Bishop Casey. <laughs> um, anyway, that was the podcast that was on in uh, July of 
it was just a couple right. months ago. Anyway, uh, one of the things I found out was that they would arrest these priests, and it was bef- <clears throat> it was before they had starting started putting uh, Catholics to death for attending mass or for being Catholics. It was mainly mm-hmm. the priests they were going after, and they were going after influencers. So they're arresting priests, and people are going to prison to see the priest, to visit the priest. Um, and it actually, there there was a little bit of a, you know, they arrested men from other churches too. Like if they found a Muslim, they would arrest him. Or if they found some, like, uh, a Lutheran, he would get arrested too. Because this is not uh, Luther's domain, it's uh, the Church of England. So, yeah. other ministers were arrested, but prison guards would rather have a priest in their prison because more people would, uh, That's not cool. just the they guards, more bribes. <laughs> there would be more bribes to get in and see him. And not only that, but the, uh, I mean, I there, better there was too. a privacy, there was a, a, a there was an economy to running a prison, and mm-hmm. it, it wasn't yeah. like a just run by the state. There were private institutions that ran prisons, and if they had a priest, they had to do much less for him because food and stuff like that would be uh, given oh, by the locals. By and so yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is. When we have a good priest, especially someone like Father James Altman, who's being persecuted, or this guy in Costa Rica, uh, we can donate money to a cause that maybe he, for him, or just visit him. Uh, if we could go to his masses, we could, we could yeah, make ourselves known area. to mm-hmm. those priests, at least to let right. the priests know, hey, we do love you. And, and then to make ourselves visible to these evil bishops. It's better if these evil bishops see us. It's better that that we don't hide from them. Yeah. I don't absolutely. know what it helps, but I know it's we, better. We should not be, you know, like, like oh, wait, I, I don't want my bishop to know that I prefer that. No, no, no. No, be bold. Speak out. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's hold a sign up in front of the bishop's palace. The church no longer has, you know, the church once upon a time had its own jails and its own, you know, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have that anymore. Right. There's no, there's no possible, um, you know, physical uh, retribution that the bishop can enact against you if you speak out. Other than like maybe if you hold a job at at the diocese or maybe yeah. one of the local Catholic schools or something right. like that. Okay, then. I could see you might be a little bit trepidatious, but you know that's another powerful way to witness. To say, "Hey, yeah, this yeah. Is, I mean, look at uh, Timothy Gordon uh, just for speaking the truth, right? And he was uh, dismissed from his he was fired position as a teacher at a Catholic school, at a Catholic school. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, uh, yeah. who would have thought that speaking it out against a, the truth at a Catholic an organization school. that uh, was started by witches, lesbian witches. Marxist yeah. lesbian witches. Fundamentally anti-Catholic organization. He spoke against it and he got fired by his Catholic school. So 
if you have a priest in your diocese uh, who's being persecuted by an evil bishop like Callahan or Christensen or this uh, one of these these Costa Rican, Costa Rican bishops, bishops <laughs> just speak out and and let the priest know you're there for him. Let let him know that you got his back. I yeah. think that probably goes a long way because when your own church turns against you for doing what what is what the you think is business? right. I mean, that's the thing. These priests, I'm sure, have a lot of uh, faith and conviction in what they're doing, but when their own bishops and their own church has turned against them. They gotta be suffering with doubt because they're human beings. They gotta yeah. be thinking, maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe it's stupid to, to pray like this the way, the way we did for 2000 years. Maybe I'm the one who's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure they and go not through all that. Those saints throughout the history of the church. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, you're right. When you're in the situation, I mean, when you're not being persecuted, it's easy to sit outside. And see the big picture. Okay, right. Two thousand years of of sanctity, and you know people falling into sin and then being brought back to sanctity again and again throughout the church and all of those saints and all of those uh, wonderful priests. And this is the mass they said. Yeah. Um, but when you're being persecuted, your world suddenly becomes a lot smaller. Yeah, it's 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 hard. And to, it's harder you, to see that you. You, you see very small things suddenly, and it's, uh, I imagine, I don't know any priests who have really been persecuted this way. I don't really know any priests anyway, but I imagine well, yeah, that... I tend not to know priests directly, yeah. It would at least be something for the laity in that area to make a visible sign, hopefully a loud sign, that says, hey, we love what you're doing um, and we're on your side. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe someday, uh, we'll need to do something like that here in Cincinnati. Our, I don't think we have an evil bishop here in Cincinnati. I think he's a pretty good so bishop. Far it's okay. We still have so our Latin mass. Okay in Indianapolis too. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. This is the guy who said, know, no, you cannot thing, have confessions. That was the one thing with the confessions. It's like, really? I got to get uh, my yeah, coffee. Yeah, that was pretty idiotic. I have to admit that was, that was complete. And, and it showed a, uh, an unfortunate willingness to invert priorities. Um, that I can't justify that. But, you know, when this whole, when this motu proprio came out, uh, hit, our bishop's immediate response was just keep doing what you're doing at least until December to give us time to figure out how yeah. to make things work for you. That that was his response. I do know that uh, Bishop Schnur, um, when he came into the office, the first thing he did was said, hey, look, our seminaries are overrun with gays. We've got to change this. And that's, mm-hmm. and he started a ministry for, uh, same sex, uh, attraction people. Not, not one that they could meet up with each other and feel good about what they're doing. One that <laughs> taught them it. how to be holy. So I mean, some of those ministries are like, you look into them, it's like, that's nothing but Catholic grinder. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them, 
I know people who were uh, instrumental in 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 this ministry, and he told me that um, that's the expectation a lot of people had when they first showed up. They, oh, okay. okay, I'll meet other gays, yeah, a, and yeah. but it was Catholic single scene for for queers. Yeah, that's what that's what some people thought, and it was quickly shown to them. No, that's not what this is. We're trying to teach mm-hmm. you to not be gay. You can, if you like other men, that's okay. That's unfortunate, but you can't be gay. You can't. It's something you got to suffer with. You can't have but, sex with other you know, if you men. If you want to be married, go out and find a woman. Marry her. Yeah. You, you be honest about who you are, you know, about, about your, your, you know, what you suffer with, but marry her, and then you can be married. Yeah. If you want to be single, okay, then, you know, then you got to abstain from sexual activity, but... That's that's how it has to be. Yeah. So, uh, but we did, I mean, we had Bishop, uh, didn't, okay, who's the seamless garment guy? Oh, I know who you mean, Bur- uh, Cardinal Bernadine. Bernadine. Didn't he start off in Cincinnati? Why do I think oh, that? Oh, was he in Cincinnati? Hold on, let me find out. I did not realize that. I don't know why I think this. Cardinal Joseph Bernardin. It's Bernardin. I'm, I'm just going to Google Cincinnati. It. 72 to he 82. He was in Cincinnati. Did not realize that. Uh, 72 to 82. Wow, that was most of my... Um, so I was um, just a kid. I know my... I well, remember... Because I graduated from grade school in 84. That was most of my grade school life. I was yeah. un, I was blissfully unaware of of, you know such issues during that time i would remember mom being on the phone with her friends or whatever and griping about the bishop um just never remembered what she was saying just griping about the fact that the bishop is saying crazy stupid things and Mm -hmm. um so uh we did have a bishop a bad bishop but um he's i think he's dead isn't he Daniel yeah. Polarczyk was the the first time he I wasn't was very good of having yeah. a bishop. It was Daniel Polarczyk, and he wasn't very good either, from what I understand. I think he was he, one of those that that he did go for the whole seamless garment thing. I think, um, but I know well, that yeah, the gay problem got worse under his under his uh, rule. I mean the 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 gay uh, seminaries that happened under him. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you weren't aware of something like that, you ought to be. I mean, how could you not be aware when all of your seminaries are producing nothing but gay priests? It might yeah. not have been quite that bad, but it's my understanding that actually most really of the world right. is that bad right now. But yeah. so. which still means we've got a whole generation of queer priests that we need to get out of. The, you know, there's still a generation worth of flushing to do. Yeah. In the church. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to take another 40, 60 years before we can say, and, and this is assuming that the seminaries have cleaned up their act in terms of of helping with discernment and that kind of stuff. And they have it. 40 to 60 years from now before we say, Okay, finally, we've got a church that maybe we can get serious right. about the work of salvation of souls. And we, and we haven't because, I mean, the, 
the Monsignor we were just talking about was in charge of priestly formation at one of the most oh, powerful right. seminaries in, in America. Formation. This is the grinder guy. Yeah. So this is uh, the guy making so bishops. We're still struggling with it. And It'll be 80 years. So I... I mean, we just got to kind of pray for a miracle now, but we got to suffer until we have a miracle under evil yeah, bishops. But you know what? You're right. That miracle could come in the form of some kind of secular enemy of the church. Yeah. Uh, simply destroying seminaries, period, so that there yeah. are no more priests except those who are being cultivated secretly. Yeah. And that risk to their own necks. Of course, those priests are not going to be the kinds of priests we're getting today. Those will be real priests. They'll be courageous priests. And that right. could be how the church gets rebuilt. Yeah. We got anything else? All right. I have exhausted my... Um, uh, my <laughs> yeah. My... Uh, uh, Ranting. My pool of, you, you, of, got, uh, you got it out of your system for now, maybe. With bishops, yeah. It's like I started thinking, you know, hey, well, let's let's just kind of start pulling together the names of persecuted priests. Well, it's actually kind of hard to find them. Yeah, you know, it, it because it's not like Google elevates those kinds of stories and posts and that kind of stuff. Right. No, a lot of them suffer the silently. Actual quotes from Costa Rica, and I thought, wow, we can do a whole podcast just on these Costa Rican idiots. Yeah, and, but I mean, okay, we're not a real popular podcasts and so we don't have priests contacting us but it's my understanding that people like taylor marshall actually they've said this on the air uh timothy gordon people like that are contacted by mm -hmm. traditional priests who say i can't i can't come out as a traditionalist i can't act traditional i will get fired and Man. also I I think it was, I can't remember if it was Timothy Gordon or someone else. No, I don't know. Anyway, he had a guest on who said, yeah, I personally know several priests who had a big parish and they were moved to these little backwater places where they could only contact two or three people and because of oh, being yeah, traditional, you being know. Influential. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, maybe someday, uh, I don't know. I, I wish those priests would have a voice, but at the same time, I don't think they would use it because they, they're suffering silently so that they don't suffer more, you know? Well, they're suffering, suffering silently so that they don't suffer more and, and under this, obedience. This is the, the twisted irony that, that I think Satan has started to, learn to use as a tool those are the priests who also are going to take things like obedience the yeah. most seriously yeah so it's a it's a conscientious it's a moral thing for them to yes. be obedient even though it causes suffering i guarantee you slim jim wouldn't be obedient like that yeah slim jim goes out he disobeys and then the bishops welcome him for it it's crazy well, I'll tell you what. Okay, we're going to get into news, but we haven't we haven't really been talking about the antics of our pope or our local bishops a whole lot. Um, I've been kind of ignoring a couple things. Um, 
for example, Pope, well, we got the, okay, so the Pope uh, Francis appoints an Italian nun as secretary of the dicastery for promoting integral human development. The first woman to, I don't even know what that means. What is that? <laughs> Say those I, words again. Those, those words don't even make sense. <laughs> secretary of the dicastery for promoting integral human development. Integral human development. A dicastery for promoting integral human development. What does that mean? I don't know. It's a weird combination of words that... <laughs> but also, he apparently called a lot of like the fraternity of St. Peter leaders to Rome and a lot oh, of the, like the, the traditional... Uh, yeah, movements. Mm-hmm. He's he's calling these leaders back to Rome for some kind of meeting. Um, that's scary because we know that yeah, the motu proprio, go, you know, was only the first step. We know he wants to eliminate yeah. the Latin Mass altogether, the traditional Latin Mass. Um, we know that's his plan. From what we can see, he probably wants to eliminate Latin too. I mean, yeah. you notice the motu proprio itself... Yeah, it wasn't even in Latin. ...was promulgated not in Latin, which is typical for official church documents, but in Italian. What Was it Italian? Yeah, Italian. Yeah, so it wasn't even a Latin uh, document that was given. It was a, an Italian one. So um, he's calling people there. Uh, meanwhile, we've got this audience, uh, general audience. He says, okay... He, I never understood people who do this. They ask themselves questions and then they answer them. The two questions that he asked himself is, do I live in the fear that if I don't do this or that, I will go to hell? Uh, I don't think he does. So I don't, I don't know why you would even, most people should. I mean, I live in fear that if I don't go to confession frequently, I'm going to go to hell. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I if I I don't stay close to the sacraments, I'm going to go to hell. That's a fear that I have. (laughs) If I fail in my duties, or if I and I'm not sorry for it, yeah, I I live in fear I'm going to go to hell. If I don't, if I don't, yeah, if I don't uh, fulfill my duties to my family, I'm going to go to hell. That that's a fear that I have. (laughs) And if I if my family was the entire church, then. Uh, Even more so. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then the well, other one was... I. She said no. He does not. <laughs> do I despise... Uh, okay. Well, okay. That explains a lot then, I guess, huh? Do I despise the commandments? Why would you ask yourself that? Or disregard? I, I think that's a, a translation problem. Do I oh, disregard okay. do I or disregard? despise the commandments? No, I observe them, but not as absolutes. Because I know that what justifies me is Jesus Christ. And I think he specifies here is an encounter with Jesus Christ is what justifies him. An encounter with Jesus Christ. We must observe them, but as an aid to the encounter with Jesus Christ. Actually, we observe them as rules because they're they're absolutes. They're laws. Yeah, they are absolutes. I mean, we observe them as being proper to the nature in which God created us. And I hate to... It's not the encounter with Jesus Christ that justifies us. It's it's Jesus' death on the cross and us uh, taking part in that 
through the mass. Well, even if it is the, I mean, let's suppose it's the encounter. Where do you encounter Christ most intimately when you consume him? Yeah. You receive him bodily into your body. And as a part of that, because it's also sacramental, spiritually into your spirit. That's when you encounter Jesus most completely. Uh, but let's strip that of all of its meaning and let's strip that of everything that, that indicates that that's what it is. The thing is, I guess... Okay, this is kind of what bothers me, is that they're envisioning this world where um, that St. Paul talks about when he says, you know, the law were for the lawless. Uh, but we don't live in the law. We live in Christ. We live in the spirit of Christ. But I guess... If we weren't lawless people, if we were holy people, then we really wouldn't have to worry about the law. But when did that... Okay, hold on. To Let me read this quote from him. Um, hold on. It is good for us to ask ourselves if we still live in a period which we need the law, or if instead we are fully aware of having received the grace of becoming children of God so as to live in love. Well, is this a quote from? Does that do those people exist that don't have to live in the law? How how often does that happen here in the church these days when most people don't? Yeah, but when most people don't follow the law, is talking about is the law of of the specific Jewish feasts and the prescriptions of the sacrifices. For example, observances uh, that they that they had to go through and like. You know, in their daily lives, and that—that's the law he was talking about. Yeah, and the uh, circumcised and circumcision. So on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. But he, he wasn't talking about the moral law. He was talking about the ritual law. Yeah, the and Ten Commandments like, is it sounds not like part this of a ritual. Pope wants to take this this ambiguity in the word law and take it and move it from where Saint Paul intended it to apply to the ritual law and now move it what to the moral law yeah it's like you know oh well if, as long as we encounter Jesus Christ it's uh, what okay to what commit adultery maybe yeah no I observe yeah, them but yeah, not you know, as absolute I cheated on my wife last night but I encountered Jesus at mass on Sunday so that's okay so that justifies is that what he said is that what he where he's going with this well he says no I don't because I know I Observe them, but not as absolutes. I, he observes them, but he doesn't think they're absolutes. Do not commit adultery. That's not an absolute. Sounds pretty absolute to me. I don't know. I, I don't know. you know, if <laughs> I and, and even uh, you know, Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed. You know, it's not just don't commit adultery. It's be faithful to your wife. Yeah. But we we only observe them as an aid to the encounter with Jesus Christ. I don't know. To me, it's more like one of those. Hey, it's a commandment. Even if you're not Catholic, it's a commandment. Yeah, they're a good way to order a society, and they're a good way to grow in holiness. It's it's the starting point if you want to be holy. 
Yeah, you this know, is you where you start. Grow in holiness by by following the commandments. You you simply prevent yourself from becoming absolutely depraved by following the commandments. Right. So they are absolutes, and if you want to if you want to be justified by Christ, you got to follow the commandments. Yeah. Obviously, and we sin, said, but we you know, what, go like, to confession. Call your friends if you follow my commandments. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, we got him saying stupid things like that. Uh, he... Oh, get this. Mayor Lori Lightfoot in uh, Chicago went to communion yeah. at a Catholic funeral. Is she communion? Yeah. I mean, is she, she was is given... she Catholic? No, she's not Catholic. She's a gay uh, lesbian. Uh, and she was given communion? Yeah. At a Catholic funeral? Yeah. That was uh, Bishop... Uh, well, I don't know what priest... Said the you, mass, but, but that's su- under Bishop Supich, uh, right? Yeah. Is it Supich? Or, no, what, I think it's Supich. There's two bishops that I always get confused. Kapush and Supich. I think Supich is the bad one. C-U-P-I-C-H. Yeah, Supich. Yeah, he's, he's... He's the bishop in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the bishop okay, in well, Chicago. Well, that makes sense. He's, he's, he's kind of been a Pope Francis... Yeah, those are you know the, during the whole pontificate. Yeah, he's like, okay. So anyway, I mean, he he was at the mass, if I understand it right. Oh, he was actually there. Oh, okay, okay. And, so and so this this mayor Lightfoot, this which lesbian disgrace of a mayor gets to receive holy communion at a Catholic mass. Yeah, and she's not even Catholic. It's not even like Joe Biden who claims to be Catholic. She doesn't even claim to be yeah. Catholic. She's not even claiming to be Catholic. So, I don't know. It's that is just going over a couple scandalous. things that the that the Pope and the bishops are doing since we're talking about bishops. Um, mm-hmm. We've been ignoring that kind of stuff for the past couple weeks. But, so, uh, but on to other news. The disasters continue. But I, I don't think I think they are winding down. But there was um, Afghanistan. Well, let's see. Natural disasters. Natural disasters. Uh, in okay. Venezuela, there were some landslides. I think uh, twenty people were killed. Seventeen others are still missing. Uh, this is from the rain, uh, the hard mm-hmm. rains yeah. in Venezuela. Uh, California fires continue to happen. I think that main one, the Dixie fires, is out, I guess, because I'm not reading anything about it. But there's another one called Caldor, uh, Caldor fire, C-A-L-D-O-R fire. It continues to spread. Uh, it's taken, uh, over 175,000 acres. And, uh, get this. U.S. States Forest Service orders all national forests in California to be closed until mid-September in order to help combat the state's wildfires. How does not... I guess there will be less campfires, but is that really where these things are starting? combating the forest fires. No, it's not at all. I thought they were natural. Well, they're, they're spreading naturally, so I don't know if they're from, like, campfires or... There could be a thousand different reasons for these things to start. It's, I don't think it's combating the forest fires. Um, let's see, two people are killed and ten more injured. 
after a 50-foot section of Mississippi Highway 26 collapses. Wow. Uh, this is from the Hurricane Ida. Okay, yeah. So, but I didn't see nearly as much news as I did the week before and the week before that. So hopefully some of these natural disasters are starting to calm down. I know it's a little bit cooler in Cincinnati than it was the past couple weeks. Uh, concerning the Sa- Taliban, I'm just going to read through a bunch of these, and, and they kind of happen in progression throughout the week. Suicide bomber came into uh, the airport at Kabul. Uh, let's see, 90 Afghan civilians are killed, 13 American service members, and 150 other wounded. This is an ISIL uh Suicide bomber. Okay. Um, Joe Biden, in an address, says that the evacuation of American citizens will continue despite the terrorist attacks. Um, And then, let's see, at some point this week, he announced that all American citizens have been evacuated. Or, no, all American military has been evacuated. Right, not the citizens. So that has happened by uh, the 31st. Um, Canada, Belgium, Denmark, Russia, the Netherlands, Australia, New Zealand, Norway, and Spain end their evacuation flights from Kabul. Kabul. Um, oh, no more evacuation flights from any of those countries. Yeah. So uh, British troops returned to the United Kingdom from Afghan. I'm sorry, Afghanistan, and they've ended their evacuation. Uh, the Taliban reannounce the reimposition of the public ban on music in Afghanistan. No more music in Afghanistan. Otherwise, you'll be shot by the uh, Taliban. Yeah, wow. That's such a weird thing to ban. That's, wow. It is. <laughs> it's sad. The uh, United States urges the Taliban to include former presidents and former uh, other uh, political leaders in the formation of its new government. Yeah, right. Like, there's going to be a new uh, government. Uh, sure. It's, it's, yeah. it's a bunch of animals. That's all. Um, uh, U.S. Marine Lieutenant Stuart Scheller uh, is fired when he posts a video demanding accountability from the military leaders over the evacuation. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. I mean, if you're, if you're a military, if you're in the military, you don't question your superiors. It's yeah, one of those no, things. Uh, uh, the U.S. Embassy in, um, Kabul warns Americans to leave the airport there. I don't understand this. Why, I mean, why are there any Americans the still anywhere near that airport in Kabul? Um, because, because they there's, think that that's their best way of getting out of the country. Yeah, but there's like nonstop fighting there. I thought, I think yeah. the Taliban is allowing some uh, people who are not Afghan uh, citizens to leave still. LGBT organization Rainbow Railroad says that it has received hundreds of requests for help, mainly from Afghan gay men. I don't know how we're going to help Afghan gay men. I don't know why there are... There won't be any Afghan gay men very long. Yeah. 
the Taliban that that is one thing about Islam that's which is weird it's so weird that the left is is like yeah the butts of of Islam yeah it's weird and yet it, yeah it, it, I mean that, they just put him to death there's no won't ever get and let's see state Secretary of State Antony Blinken says that there are still about 300 American citizens left in Afghanistan. Uh, the Taliban says that they will allow us to continue evacuating them. Uh, Army General Christopher T. Donahue is the last American service member to leave Afghanistan. So there are still okay. citizens there. So and there citizens, but the military is out. Yeah. And that's all the stuff I got on Taliban. And Afghanistan. Uh, in Ukraine, a mass grave containing five to eight thousand skeletons is discovered. Uh, the graves wow. Any idea are, from? were believed to be back in the 1930s during a major quote purge. This is the, this is Stalin. Yeah, that would be, who was right. That would be every bullshit. bit as bad as, yeah. uh, Hitler. So, Right. This is communism, people. Uh, Cuba recognizes cryptocurrency as legal tender, becoming the second nation to do so after El Salvador. Huh. I think that's just. I think it's easier to control for them as cryptocurrency. I mean, so they rec- okay, so now it's legal tender, but does that mean they? I mean, do, do they tax it? Do, you know, do you have yeah. to disclose it if you pay people like? Let's say you pay somebody wages with e-currency or cryptocurrency. Do you have to just... How do you disclose it? How does the government enforce that? The whole yeah. concept of cryptocurrency is to resist those kinds of things. Yeah. So it's... I don't know. I don't... It's probably not good cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, in Garland, Texas, 32-year-old gunman uh, kills a civilian, steals her car... Uh, pulls up to the police station outside and starts firing at them. He is eventually killed. Um, so, you know, we're back to these terrorist, weird terrorist attacks. And I don't know if this is ISIL or this guy named, uh, Amran Rashid. This is some kind of Islam thing, I'm assuming. Yeah, but what was his goal? What was his objective? I don't know. To kill people. That's what they. That's what Muslims do. They kill people. I know, but usually they kill people. But but what you said, he killed a woman. It's terrorism. And, car and started shooting at police. They're describing it as a terrorist. Uh, I know, but usually act. they go for the big terror. You know, the the vest bombs yeah. and stuff like that that'll take out a hundred people at once and, and whatever. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. It is weird. Maybe it's maybe it's not a real terror. Maybe the guy's just crazy. Maybe the terrorist thing is is just a, a front for. Well, no, they're not. They wouldn't say terrorist. Nobody's nobody's talking about it oh, being okay. a Muslim thing. I came in with that because of his name, and uh, because um, it mentions that there's a letter possibly giving us the motive, but they don't say what the letter said. They mention terrorism, but I'm looking at his name and. Guys with names like that tend to be terrorists. No, let me. Make that's not the right way to yeah. say this. Terrorists tend to have names tend like to have that. Names like that. That's that's a better way. To I don't. I'm sorry that that's the truth, but it that's is the way it is. 
Yeah. Uh, China has announced they are prohibiting youth under the age of 18 from playing online video games for more than three hours per week. Per week? Yeah. Wow. See, see, I don't... I think... I think this is just a way to keep people from interacting and... It's... Yeah, because what they do with their video games, they get on... And they've got their headsets and they, and they talk, talk to each other. Yeah, this is to Video keep games people from have talking. actually become. You know, I w- I think that's the new way of socializing. Games, and I think it's I think better socialization. If, I, I hate that word anyway, but I think better yeah. socialization occurs over these video games than occurs over things like Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah, and better than I don't maybe direct, just like watching TV. Because they do talk as they're playing video games pretty much the whole time. Yeah. I mean, sometimes so, the talk is about the video games, but you know they have to talk about other things. Yeah, they yeah, talk about other... Yeah, probably China wanting to uh, stem the tide of, of so-called dangerous ideas yeah. infecting their youth. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I think about the whole thing. But if China's doing it, there's something wrong with it. Yeah, they're bad. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, I, I, I would, I would welcome my kids not playing video games more than three hours a week, but I would not welcome the government enforcing something like that. Yeah. Even if I liked the government right now, which you know, with Biden in charge, I don't. Yeah. So new uh, North Korea has reactivated. It looks like its uh, nuclear reactor. So I guess they're. They're trying to get so, some energy, I think. I don't know, but this is. Okay. I think this, this, this is, is a energy reactor. Energy, not a. Not a uh, this is not producing weapons, nuclear material. This is just I, for energy. I don't think so. Okay. Um, or we don't think so, but who knows? Right. Those people are nuts. Um, Twenty U.S. states, led by Tennessee Attorney General Herbert Slatery filed a lawsuit against Biden administration in an attempt to halt new regulations put forth by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Uh, this is a U.S. Department of Education promoting transgender rights in schools. So we are reacting to... I don't, I don't even understand. Transgender rights in schools. What... What does that mean? What more rights do they need? What are they not allowed to do things that other people are allowed to do? Or is this more like you have to call him or her him or her? You cannot yeah, call I it think they a he if she wants to be she. It it's just stupid. Exposed. I mean, my kids are all grown adults, but I yeah. wouldn't want my kids exposed to so-called transgender kids in schools. Yeah. And as far as transgender kids, just the very concept. Uh, the parents of those kids That's need stupid. to be yeah. pulled out for child abuse. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Period. That's how, that's how that should be addressed. Uh, SpaceX Dragon 2 is, uh, goes on a resupply, uh, mission and docks with the Harmony module of the ISS carrying 4,800 pounds of supplies. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's all the news I got. All right. Well, I've got some news. Uh, let's see here. Okay, you know, this is kind of interesting because we, over the weekend, 
I was over at your place and and with all the kids who went to the traditional mass and were eating breakfast. Yeah. And the conversation turned to these weird challenges that are coming up. Yeah. Yeah, there's the cinnamon challenge and the Tide Tide Pod challenge. I guess there's something now called a milk crate challenge. Huh. uh, Where you build a, like a, you know what milk crates yeah. are in, in, you can kind of turn them up. They, they kind of stack into each other. Well, you turn them upside down and stack them into like a stair step up and then down. And, okay. Um, and then you walk it up and then down. But the thing is, because they're, because each stack is all by itself, there's no interconnectedness to preserve the integrity of the overall thing. So if, if one stack is unsteady, it can go very badly for you. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's this milk crate challenge to stack up a stairs up and then stairs back down on the other side. And I guess the challenge is to make it as high as you can and then walk it. Well, TikTok, uh, over safety concerns, has banned videos of people doing the milk crate challenge. I don't know. What? I don't. That's dumb. I, <laughs> I look, don't know. <laughs> at least there's some kind of physical challenge here. Like, would they ban? I don't know a unicycle challenge or a pogo right, sticking exactly. challenge. It's, okay. I mean, it's, what? It's a, it's a feat of balance and so on and so forth. People are getting hurt, but you know, hopefully the you know, it's like the one that they should have banned would be the tide. Pod yeah, that would have been one to or, or the, the there's some kind of thing or, with a condom that they did. I can't remember what it was. It's like they I don't remember that one. I don't know. They would one. get a condom to go out their nose, I think. I can't remember now. It was something really, really you stupid. Do that? That's gross. I know, it's disgusting. They did something with condoms. That's the kind of idiotic things that should be banned. A physical challenge yeah. to try to stack this up and get see how high you could get it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know people get hurt. All right. Yeah. Whatever, but, you know, it's... Hey, you don't have to do it. People get hurt playing football, too. And, yeah, nobody has to do it. It's just a challenge. Um, but... Oh, well. I don't know. <laughs> it seems, like, weird and, and oddly arbitrary to me. Yeah. That, like, that's, that's the weirdness of it. When you... Okay, have you ever watched that uh, that talent show... Uh, America's Got Talent. Oh, yeah, they come in with all kinds of stuff there. Oh, it's dangerous stuff. I mm-hmm. cringe watching it. I'm biting my nails every now and then. I don't watch it a whole lot, but when I do, <laughs> I it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. But um, I don't know. They're going to ban that. I mean, it's just whatever. That's what people do. We t- we'd go challenges, and that's an actual challenge, whereas eating a Tide Pod is not a challenge. It's just idiotic. So it's just I would not have yeah. banned that one. Yeah. Nope. Okay. All right. Uh, next we have. Um, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, police in uh, West Midlands uh, posted a picture of a man on Facebook, who I guess they're they're kind of looking for. Yeah. Um, and. They, I guess this this guy just has one of those faces. In fact, you know, with with a, a couple of changes, he could even look like uh, one of our brothers that I won't name. Um, yeah. P- 
people are writing in all kinds of things saying that they've seen him on the Scooby-Doo show because he looks a little like Shaggy and some people are saying he looks like Jesus and some people are saying <laughs> he looks like Murph. So again, all these alone. false leads and stuff. <laughs> and they're all false He's kind of scruffy about, like, looking. Celebrity people and stuff. <laughs> Did you hear Sam's uh, Shaggy impression while you were here? Uh... I guess you didn't I, hear it. You must have been in the other room because we were eating breakfast. I, yeah, and I don't remember it. Sam started do doing his shaggy? shaggy. Yeah, he does a good shaggy. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Did he say zoinks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zoinks. <laughs> so okay, is this, anyway. uh, this is a low, where is this? this uh, where did uh, you say it was? West Midlands, which I assume is somewhere somewhere in England or somewhere in the UK. Oh, okay. It's it's a it's a mirror dot yeah. um, story. <laughs> Alright, this next one is kinda uh, I don't know, it kinda it 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 like creeps a little bit into that um, the uncanny <laughs> valley. Um, you've heard of that? <laughs> no, I just I looked at it. What's that? I looked at the uh, the story you're about to talk about. Oh yeah, the the uh, the baby and this uh, stingray uh, kind of photo bombs the picture of the baby yeah. with an almost identical expression. Now the thing I... is that stingray, <laughs> the things that look like eyes on the stingray, those are actually like nostrils or something like that. Those aren't really eyes, right? Um, but but nonetheless. <laughs> So they're taking a picture of a baby next to an aquarium, and the stingray comes up and Just flaps against to... the. And it and he's got the same expression as the baby. Yeah. He's got the these two little too. eyes and two. It's a cute baby. Yeah, really cute baby. But uh, yeah, it's pretty good. He's the baby's got this expression on his face, like mom. Did you see that? <laughs> Come on. Oh, it's a funny picture. We'll put the picture up. Yeah. Uh, okay, this next one is not in the email that I sent you. Uh, I pulled the... I'll, I'll in, send another email that includes this. Okay. But I had to, my wife found it while we were uh, watching TV together this evening. The cow... So the, there's a video of a cow that got stuck in a tree after the flooding from Hurricane Ida. Wow. Um, in, Can cows uh, yeah, swim? Bernard Parish, Louisiana. What's that? Can cows swim? I didn't think so. I don't know if cows can swim or not, but I think they cow can. Was lifted high enough to get caught in this tree when the water yeah. receded, and these rescue workers are kind of like, "Huh, what do we do about this?" Because you watch uh, westerns when they go on these cattle drives, and they have to get them across some pretty big rivers. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I, yeah. I think so. they can swim. I think probably I think, real it looks slowly. Like what they're going to do is just cut the tree down and let the cow kind of drop into the water there, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, but uh, yeah, that's. I, it, it just reminded me of that um, that in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, where the blind guy says you'll see a cow on the top of a cotton house, and then because of the flood. <laughs> yeah, you'll see many things. You'll see a. Cow? On the top of a cotton house? <laughs> I don't know what a cotton house even is. I don't either. I guess it's like with your drying cotton when you uh, put the yeah, cotton after something. you pick it. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this next one is just kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it. This guy's running from police and he jumps into a, uh, a mortuary van. There's already <laughs> mortuary a body van. There. He, he drives off with the van. The body flies out the back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, he didn't want to be charged with stealing a mishandling a corpse, stealing yeah, a corpse. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the the uh, grand theft auto charge, but not the uh, not the mishandling of a corpse. I'm going to get rid of that. Yeah, <laughs> or he's just freaked out by the dead body in the back of the car. Is what? That's what he was fleeing. He wasn't fleeing the police. He was fleeing the dead body. Yeah. All right, and let's see. Last one. This one. <laughs> okay, this actually brings two things to mind. One is idiocracy, and the other. You ever? Uh, you remember the life of Brian when when the the Roman guards there and the the guys are going through crucifixion, crucifixion, and then he says, "Yeah, I forget what freedom. he says, but it's something says, different." No, uh, freedom. <laughs> yeah, freedom. <laughs> freedom. Guards, yeah, oh, they okay. told me I didn't do anything, so <laughs> I, I was to be set free. <laughs> And then he says, no, I'm just kidding, really. It's really crucifixion. It's crucifixion. <laughs> oh, okay. Door on the left. So, in Columbus, Missouri, um, a manhunt has been started um, for 24-year-old Ellen Renee Goebel, uh, held on five, it says unspecified charges. I think that just means that the, the prison didn't release the charges. She escaped yeah, prison by posing as another inmate. Okay, so this person's <laughs> gonna get free. That's uh that that one that one book about the the guy who gets well, out of prison. But he was dead. Yeah, he was dead. But then he he gets she didn't in. Pretend to be dead. She just okay, but she to be pretends to be. Didn't the other inmate get mad? Released. Like, hey, what the hell? Well, maybe she figured, you know, after. You can get away, and then when they realize they made a mistake, they'll let me go. Oh, maybe I mean, that, yeah, she, maybe the other inmate had to cooperate, that. right? Well, I don't know. All, all Unless she, like, beat her up it, or it something. It doesn't even explain how exactly she did it. Um, it says, posed as another inmate to escape Saturday morning. Um, the maybe the other... about the escape until they were notified by other inmates... And then the jail staff went back to check the cells to make sure they were all huh. accounted for and confirmed that she had been released falsely. Pretty good. Uh, nothing about how she actually did it or whether it involved, you know, a um, help from the, the inmate that she impersonated. So we have a relative who spent a little time in uh, here at the, uh, the local jail, the Hamilton County. Yeah, um, this was a, a, obviously a county holding. Uh, yeah, facility. so and he, but it turns out we actually have two relatives who were in the local Hamilton County Jail, and uh, one of them told me that I don't even I I'm not going to say any names. So mm-hmm. Joe is one, and Frank is the other. Joe told okay, me that so Frank had been there often and was always like screwing with the guards and doing things like uh things you would think they would 
check for, but they don't seem to learn their lessons. Like uh, putting Jimmy in the lock when when the doors are open, so that when they close, they're not really closed. And then he oh. would get out of his cell and just walk around. That's weird. Things what? like that. And yeah, you just think they would check that and learn their lessons. Mischief type of things. Mm-hmm. And he would do it nonstop. And they would yell at him and throw him back in his in his cell. But he'd keep doing things like that to screw with everyone. So what's what's That's, the lesson here? The, the I don't know. Money, it's just odd that employees. I don't think they're very smart. I don't, remember <laughs> G Gordon. Like Li- what was his name? G G G Gordon Liddy. That was his yeah. name. Uh, yeah, the, the, he the, said that every prison guard is an idiot. Oh, really? That's he insisted every one of them is an idiot, and people would call up angry and be like, "How are you going to call my?" My such and such aunt, an idiot, and he's like, I'm sorry. If she's working at it, she's a prison guard, she's an idiot, period. Yeah. Well, you all know, prison I, I guards are idiots. Maybe prison guards are people who who got into the correctional, uh, you know, department uh, employee roster and they just weren't good enough for anything. They other couldn't jobs. get out. Yeah. Now, I do know in some situations that if you want to be a cop you have to do some time as a guard okay that exists permanent prison guards that's just right yeah but i would assume any permanent prison guard is an idiot i i know a lot of i know some cops who are pretty stupid Mm -hmm. but anyway we've got this kid who's uh we know who's in jail and he's always screwing with the guards this way and apparently, it's pretty easy to do. You just have to have a little bit of... You have to be a little bit smart. And yeah, you can outsmart and just the guards. just desire to have fun. <laughs> and uh, so, I don't know. That just reminded me of that. The fact that she was able to do it, you know. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that is, is that all I have That's uh, it. for okay. Nonsense News. Do we have a saint for today? For today? Yes, we have not a not a real outrageous story, but uh, Saint Catherine of Alexandria. Okay. Um, this is another one of the Virgin Saints. Um, died in uh, 305 of Alexandria, Egypt, under uh, Max Maxentius. M-A-X-E-N-T-I-U-S persecution. Mm. I don't know how to say that name. Maxentius? I'm going to say Maxentius persecution. I always rely on you on how to say these names. I know. I'm looking for it. I I know you spelled it, but... uh, M-A-X-E-N-T-I-U-S. Here we go. Maxentius. Maxentius. Marcus Aurelius Valerius Maxentius. Jeez. What's it with all these names people get? Uh, anyway, oh, she was born in 282 AD of, in Alexandria. She was thought to have come from a wealthy family, uh, but her mother was secretly a Christian. Um, she was well educated and at a, and beautiful, so at an early age, uh, men throughout the empire sought her for marriage, but she rejected them all. And she told mm-hmm. her mother that she would only a man 
only marry a man whose beauty, intelligence, and reputation surpassed her own. So <laughs> her mother brought her to a priest who tutored her for a little while, and when she told the priest about who she intended to marry, he said, well, I know a young man whose beauty is more radiant than the sun itself, his wisdom uh, governs all creation, and who's uh, got a great reputation. So he, the priest gave her an image of a, a picture of Mary holding the infant Jesus and mm-hmm. told her a little bit about it and told her to say some prayers to the baby Jesus that night. She spent the night praying, and she had a vision of the Blessed Virgin and the child Jesus. In the vision, Mary told the child Jesus to look at Catherine, but he turned away, saying that she was too ugly and that he would never look at her until she had been washed clean with the waters of baptism. Oh, she hadn't been baptized yet. Right. She wasn't Catholic yet. She wasn't Christian yet. She was just, her mom was Christian, but secretly. So Catherine goes back, finds the priest and, uh, asks her to be, asks him to baptize her. He educates her for a while and then baptizes her. Later she has another vision and this time the baby Jesus climbs into her arms and hugs her and puts a wedding ring on her finger. Now this is kind of early in Maxientus's persecution of Christians. And when she heard about it, she went to the emperor to try to get him to stop uh, persecuting the Christians. And he was inspired by her beauty, uh, didn't quite have the guts to just put her to death. Instead, he called all of his philosophers and uh, the educators to argue with her, to try to argue her out of this uh, this Christian superstition. Uh, she actually changed some of their minds and they were immediately put to death. Uh, Maxientus imprisoned her. He tried to torture her. Um, it's said that he had her whipped so severely that there wasn't an inch of her blood, of her skin that wasn't bleeding. Uh, while she was in prison, over 200 people. Because, again, she's in prison to argue on behalf of the Christians. So while she's mm-hmm. in prison, other Christians are coming to see her. And uh, Maxientus is getting more and more desperate to try to get this under control. So finally, he makes one last attempt by proposing to her and she tells him that her virginity is a gift is her gift to Jesus Christ, who is her true bridegroom. Uh, The emperor ordered that she be executed on a breaking wheel. Um, This is after she had been whipped so severely. Uh, A breaking wheels like a, looks like a big wagon wheel and they would chain people to it and then just kind of use it and maybe a club or something to start breaking bones and stuff. Until they were dead. So she... uh, Now, during that time, if a breaking wheel broke during a prisoner's um, 
sentence, it was taken as some kind of divine providence that that this person is innocent. Um, now, she had already been tortured and whipped, but when they found her, she had been healed. And they take her and try to put her on the on the uh, breaking wheel, but it just kind of falls apart as soon as she touches it. Hmm. So from that time on, the breaking wheel was called to be, uh, was came to be known as a Catherine wheel. The uh, emperor is even more furious now, and he orders her to be beheaded. She's beheaded, and instead of blood coming from her body, a milky substance flows out. Um, that was in 305 AD. It was, there were, there was a cult that uh, honored her, but in the 800s, there was kind of a resurge of that when they claimed to have found her, uh, body on Mount Sinai. Uh, the story was that they had found her head and her left hand, uh, her hair was still growing, and there was an oily substance emanating from her uh, fingers. Hmm. Now, they still have these relics. Um, the hair is no longer still growing, and there's there's no longer an oily uh, substance uh, there at the St. Catherine's Monastery in Mount Sinai today. Uh, people make pilgrimages there from all over the world. Uh, scholars argue ever over whether she actually ever existed and over whether or not those are her real, uh, body parts, but, uh, we still honor them as her body parts and people still make pilgrimages and there are, of course, re- uh, reported miracles coming from those, uh, relics. Mm-hmm. And that is St. Catherine of Alexandria. One more tidbit. And, yeah. Um, and this is just reported on the Wikipedia page for St. Catherine of Alexandria. Apparently, mm-hmm. she was um, one of those that St. Joan of Arc identified as being the saints that spoke to her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, she is the patron... To unmarried girls, uh, apologists, craftsmen who work with a wheel, archivists, dying people, educators, girls, jurists, knife sharpeners, lawyers, librarians, and then uh, mechanics, millers, hat makers, nurses, philosophers, preachers, scholars, school children, Secretaries. Easier to say that who she's not a patron saint of. I I don't think there is anyone. <laughs> she's not she's not a uh, patron of um, document handlers. Isn't that or the one that we handlers? said? Last? <laughs> who right. was that? Cal- Calistratus, who was that the was, document, yeah. of, or and, was that uh, Cajetan? No, that was Cajetan. Oh, wait, 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 wait! No, 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 that was Cajetan. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, document controllers, that's what it was. But archivists. Yeah, archivists. She was, yeah, so, yeah, it is. I mean, that's what an archivist is. So, she's, and then a whole bunch of cities and states and countries, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, wow. It's a neat wow. saint. Very important saint. I I forgot that she was one of the uh, saints that uh, Joan of Arc had spoken to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that is Saint Catherine of Alexandria. Wow, boy! I you know that that breaking wheel. I had never heard of that. Um, if you go and look up, you can look up just breaking wheel on on Wikipedia and see how they were yeah. actually used. It is brutal. Yeah, and I mean, it's, they, it's like, there was like uh, it, there were different ways that they be. Sometimes it was actually a wheel that they would turn on top of people, like you know, and then other times it was just. And then they would take the uh, wheel and and like hang it or post it somewhere real high so that the body could be, uh, you know, gone, eaten up by birds and decay mm-hmm. and stuff like that oh, as a disgrace to that. So, um, yeah, it is brutal. All right, oh. that's all I got. All right, Saint Catherine. I think we're ready. Yeah, uh, where are we here? Oh, okay. We got. Just we didn't go way way over like we did. No. Have the last couple weeks. Last so. couple weeks, yeah. Um, all right, folks. Well, think about what we said. And as always, circle the beads. And we'll see you next week.